All right, well, we're, we're Tim and Tammy Linky. We've been coming to Horizons now for... 15 years. 15 years. Started coming here because our our the the youth program and and at the time our our son and and now our son and daughter they were um, we we wanted to make sure that they had a, a foundation in faith and so that was the the idea behind it and then and then horizons just became a part of our lives as well we we got involved in some activities we did the the disciple study and slowly started saying yes to any little any little volunteer thing that that came around and our, our faith is deepened as well so it's just been a it's just been a wonderful blessing and so with horizons knowing that we're pouring into the next generation and in our future with the kids that's important to us especially as we um, just see what goes on around us and and the struggles that we all have with current culture and society pressures um, so you know, really, I think our biggest test in the giving was several years ago when I was told I was not going to have a job anymore. And um, it really tested the faith because that was also at the time when um, we had our um, Boundless for Christ um, effort. And so we prayed a lot as to what we could give, um, and it was scary. And we decided on a number that was what we thought was doable, but yet stretching us. and. Um, we have been blessed tenfold ever since. Um, so the fact that the story is really, it's God's money and we're just um, keepers of it and trying to do the best that we can with his money, then that's really our our purpose with coming to Horizons and, and giving back because Horizons truly gives back to grow disciples and to be Christ-like. And I, I always go back when, when we, whether it's the giving season or just just all year long the i think it's mark 12 48 from who much is given much is expected and uh we've been tested but we've also been blessed and uh it has truly been been a blessing for us i've been uh, blessed to have also been involved in the in the steering team a few years ago and that was a huge learning uh learning experience for me because most people, I, I shouldn't say most people, but at the time, you know, you think that the church is open on Sunday and then nothing else happens after that. And the fact of the matter is this place is an active, vibrant part of the community every night of the week. And we, you know, we need people to give so that those ministries can continue. And we're, we're just blessed with wonderful, both paid and volunteer staff. And, and to be able to continue to bless them as well is, is something that we enjoy being a part of. You know, a, a lot of times I, I don't I don't know that that I've reflected a whole lot on being a life changer. I just know that we do life together, and and I hope that by by doing that we are changing lives. So today we're uh, we're going to be uh, I'm, I want to tell you a little bit more about the renewal leave that I had. Um, so I, I for, for three months right I was um, on a renewal leave or a sabbatical earlier this year, and one of the things that I set out to do first was to hike a portion of the Appalachian Trail, like bucket list. Had read the book by Bill Bryson, that was I was on point. So randomly, because you got to choose somewhere, I chose Virginia, because I have a dear second cousin who lives there, and then I chose to start in the Shenandoah National Park, because there was a road that ultimately would lead to his house that cut through the top third of the Shenandoah National Park. So like, well, that's as good a place as any. 
So, um, so I set out and I measured that from that entry point to the end, it was about 86 miles. I had five days to do it and a sixth kind of contingency day. If all else fails, I could keep hiking so I could get picked up. Um, and so like I was starting to do the math and I was like, oh goodness, that's like 14, 15 miles a day. And, and so I was fretting about that. And then I, I did some more reading and research and I read a, a thing that said that the actual average per day of a through hiker, now as a person that's hiking all the way through from uh, the, the beginning to the end, all 2,000 miles of the Appalachian Trail, that the average distance per day is somewhere between 15 and 20 miles. And I was like, oh, <laughs> 15 miles? Was I can do that, you know, so I was like, I think I'm underselling myself. So instead, I changed my route, and I decided I'm going to start at the very northern tip of the Shenandoah Park and hike all 108 miles in five days and maybe six, which put me somewhere between 18 and 21 miles a day. <laughs> you all know how the story goes. <laughs> So I set out day one and, um, and hiked like a little over 20 miles, and I had a 50-pound backpack. My boots were way too tight and way too hot, and um, I fell asleep to 14 hours of rain. This is like the equivalent of running a really difficult marathon, sleeping on the ground, getting up and doing it all again the next day. And I tell you what, I got to day four. I had blisters all the way around the crisps of uh, crust of my feet. I couldn't feel certain toes in both of my f- on both of my feet. I was dead tired. My socks were, had all been run through, and you know the, the the kind that stand up on their own after a while. And, and I was dead tired. And I finally, my, my dad had traveled out there, so he was sort of my dispatch guy. And I and I just called him. I said, I'm done. I'm done. And um, so I, I called him, and I arranged to pick up spot. I had to walk a couple, three or four more miles, walk over a couple more mountains, no big deal, um, <laughs> to get to my final camping spot because I was like, I at least need one more night out here. And I got there, and then I had this, like, flood of realization or epiphany that I had just wasted this opportunity I had six potential days to be out there in God's country and just to let go and to connect and, and really just be there and do this. And I got so dead set that I had to do this great big thing and hike a certain amount of miles and, and like one up every through hiker that's ever done the Appalachian Trail in order for it to be worthwhile, in order for me to say that I accomplished something. And just like a sabbatical is supposed to, that moment changed my life. I want to tell you a little bit more about that in, in a bit here. But I want you to just know that there's a, there's a really important clue in there for this whole day. So we're talking about baptism today. And the idea is that we are pausing in our series to be able to really focus in on what baptism is and invite you into your baptism or into your renewal or what we would call a reaffirmation of your baptism. And um, it's not about numbers. We're not trying to encourage you to 
to receive your baptism or renew it be, so we can like check you off um, as a number. What it really is is something a bit like this. So two weeks ago, um, my family went out to Rokeberry Farm and Samuel and I ventured off and he had seen the Bounce House Obstacle Course. And um, <clears throat> he insisted he needed to do it. We walk up there. He's a half inch too short and two and a half years too young. And, and the, the teenager at the gate was like, yeah, he can go ahead. <laughs> that, was, that was not how this was planned out. So I'm watching my tiny son um, start going through this, this obstacle course. He gets to the tunnel, and then the next thing he has to do is climb up like a 12-foot incline and then walk off and jump down like an 8-foot ledge. Right? And so, like, um, like a good parent, I stayed on the outside of the fence. Um, like the little corral, like no parents in here. <laughs> and so I'm watching my son, um, you know, who looks like a midget, like tiny, tiny, tiny. Uh, he just looks small is what I meant to say. Um, and walking up there and stepping back. And, you know, I'm like coming around like, okay, buddy, it's cool, you know, maybe next year. And then I watched him come back around. And all he has, there's no dad, you know, like catching him or assuring him or anything. All he has is like this teenager saying, you got to make, move on, buddy. <laughs> And I watched him. I was like, he's not, oh, shoot, he's not going to do it. And then I watched him. And he took one look at me. And then he dropped. And he, like, dropped in this half-inflated pillow, which is what it's supposed to be. And poof. And then he comes out. And this grin on his face. And then he did it the rest of the way. And then he did it again. And the only way I got him to walk away from it was a caramel apple. <laughs> See, baptism is a lot like that for us. Something's happening in our hearts. Um, we want something new. We're tired of where we're at, or God's speaking a new story. And so we're like, we're kind of following along with it. And, um, and, and a lot of times our faith walk is like we get up to that ledge, and we're just waiting for that final nudge to jump. And that's what I want for you. If that's where your heart is, if, the, if that's what God's doing, he's planted a seed, and you're waiting for that moment to jump. Um, you know, Samuel's not a professional obstacle climber now, but he has a new confidence and a new understanding. And in the same way that baptism does that, I want that for our community, and I want to celebrate that for all of you to be able to, I mean, that's what we live for. That's what Horizons is all about. So I want that for you. Now, we're going to talk about baptism today through one of the most unlikely places. And I hope you're a little bit confused by the end of this verse, uh, this passage, because uh, you're going to be following right along. That's a great place to be. So we turn to Matthew's gospel because we are finishing up with the last pieces of Matthew through the end of the year so we can get the whole gospel. And we're in chapter 4 this morning, and we're going to be reading from the portion of chapter, or four, yeah, chapter 4, 12 through 22. And today we're just going to hit some key verses in there. But essentially the way that Matthew tells this gospel story is that <clears throat> Jesus has been tempted in the desert. John has been continuing to perform his ministry of being a voice calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. <clears throat> and, you know, giving people a baptism of repentance. 
And then we're told that then Jesus comes and he, uh, as John is arrested, that Jesus then steps up and starts proclaiming a message of repentance. And uh, we pick up in verse 16 here, and this is Matthew just affirming this is what Jesus is doing to fulfill what was said to the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land in the shadow of death, the light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then check this out. Then as Jesus was walking beside the sea in Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Jesus said, and, if I, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed. Then we're told that Jesus reached out to, uh, to John, son of Jemedi, and, to, and to Mark, or James, James and John, as well, sons of Debedi, De, Zebedee. <laughs> um, and, and like, so Jesus is calling out, and these disciples, like, they're just, they're coming forward. And, um, and so, again, you may be thinking, okay, where's baptism? I hope you're thinking, there, there's, you know, we're talking about baptism, and then there's the fishermen, like, becoming disciples. Where's the water? Right? You know, like, uh, isn't this supposed to be like this or like that? Or uh, how's this baptism? You see, so here's what we know about baptism. And, um, and this is really important, but uh, I want you to just hang on because there's something else. So what we know about baptism is that it is essentially a surrender and a confession where we finally let go and we admit the truth about who we are and who loves us and wants the best for us beyond our own control. And on God's side, as we surrender and confess, it is God just pouring over us and um like all that all that sin and yucky stuff like gets pushed to the like it's kind of a gross concept but like to the pores of our skin it's all resting there and he comes in this spiritual water and he just washes it away through the power of his blood and um and then actually like receives us in this really kind of unusual way of receiving us by becoming indwelling in us in his spirit. So his spirit begins to live in us as we are renewed through baptism and, and made new. So that's a beautiful thing. So ultimately, when we are inviting you to come forward to baptism, this is sort of the final thing. And um, the only words I ask you is, do you believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and acknowledge that he is truly for you the way, the truth, and the life? That's it. And then, of course, then you hold your breath and get really, really wet with the Holy Spirit. Um, so, the, you know, so ultimately, if you're following along here on your worship outline, this is what baptism is. It is the Holy Spirit's affirmation of your changed mind and new direction in Jesus. It's the washing off of the old to reveal the new. Now, that's beautiful. But there's something equally important 
that I have really felt the Spirit leading me to share with you today because I believe that there are times when we hear about baptism we, and we hear what it is and we, and we kind of count ourselves out because we just don't feel like we're worthy of being there. What if, what if we get baptized and we screw up next week? Like that would be embarrassing and terrible and, and everyone would call us a fake, right? Um, so let, let me tell you what's equally important to the moment of baptism. What is equally important is, um, is what comes before it. Now, what we say about baptism in the Methodist tradition is that we say that baptism is an outward sign of an inward grace. Meaning that there's something that happens in here first that simply is affirmed and enacted on outside of a second. It means that there's a, a change, a new direction, or a new pursuance that happens in here. And in short, it would be called an act of repentance. An act of repentance. That's why, in fact, Jesus and John both came preaching a message of repentance. But even then, you're hearing this word repentance, and many of us have, again, flipped the switch on that because it, it just doesn't feel quite right, or it feels too big, or it doesn't match where we're at, for whatever reason. But if we can understand what repentance is, then I believe there is a clear and open road that becomes very beautiful, inviting, and actually um, pretty joy-filled to walk. So when we think of baptism or repentance, what we think of often is this like epic and colossal moment where there is this like complete change and it is as instant as a strike of lightning. And repentance is often also accompanied with this huge amount of owning our shame. And we say, I am a uh, sinful person and I have done these things and, and I'm terrible and so I need God because I got nothing else. And so there's like all this weight that we take on as we say, then, uh, and I'm going to turn and pr I promise I will never live like that again. I'm done with that, right? Now, I do not want to downplay that because I want you to know that there are some incredible, and they have happened in this church. They have happened millions of times in the, in the family of God. Um, so I don't want to downplay that. It, it is, that happens a lot. But that is just one understanding and one playing out of repentance, See, if we go with the Greek understanding of how Jesus was intending it in its fullness from how, what words he chose to speak of repentance, the Greek is this metanoeo. Now, I sound like I'm trying to be like Native American when I say that, so I, 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 my Greek verbally is terrible, okay? But it is this metanoeo, and I... I yeah, that's as good as I'm going to get for you, okay? <laughs> but it has to do with this meta, this change of an idea. A changing of an idea. Some of the simplest ways we've talked about it is simply a turn. But it is, at the very core of it, it is one idea moving to a different idea. Moving towards a new direction. And that is so important for us to understand because of, again, the way that it welcomes us into 
what can be the beginning of our baptism and a new walk. This repentance, this new idea. So what for baptism this means is essentially repentance for baptism looks like a start. Let's, let's, let's get this next first point out here. So repentance becomes a start to new life. Not the arrival. So a lot of times we think that we can't have baptism or enter in this new thing until we have already become this new thing or this new person. When in fact, repentance is the start of a new life. It's that tiny little seed. The second thing is that it is the initial spark. It's the initial spark. And the disciples, we're going to talk about them in a little bit, how they model this, make it true. It's the initial spark, not the completed picture. This isn't a full-blown, everything is now new, and I will, you know, no one can ever point a finger at me at messing up again. This is the initial spark. This is what repentance is, and it does. The third thing that it is, is that it is stepping away and stepping forward. When we repent of our sins, we do say, I don't want to live that life anymore. I don't want to carry that weight. I don't want that to be the definition of who I am or what my, my life looks like. It's a turning away from, but it is also essentially and absolutely necessarily a turning toward something. But sometimes we put so much weight and emphasis on the sin that we're turning away from that we forget that there is something greater that we are turning toward. Jesus even tells a story about a person who uh, cleaned his house and rid, it, rid of all the spirit that was in his house and made it all clean. But, um, but he forgot to, once he cleaned the house, to fill it with new things And Jesus says, um, so when the Spirit came back and found the house that was empty and pristine and perfect, then then that Spirit just made himself right back at home and invited seven of his friends. And he was more of a mess in his house than he was before when there was just one. You see, when we forget to step forward toward something, when we're turning away, it's an incomplete picture. And the the fourth and final thing that repentance is, it's about embracing hope. Not about just owning our shame. It's embracing hope and saying, I'm turning towards something greater. And I believe that there can be greater things of an expression of my life or an experience of my, my, myself in my faith. You see, that's what repentance is. And it has many faces then in our lives. But the disciples model this perfectly. And I guarantee you that you've probably never thought of the disciples following, dropping their nets and following Jesus as a sign of repentance. But under this definition and truly what it is, a changing of our mind or a stepping in a new direction, the disciples in this moment, they had no idea what they were in for. They had no idea. They were not disciples according to what they needed to be in order to follow Jesus and then carry on and build his church beyond that. They were absolutely incompetent and unknowing and under, not understanding at all what Jesus was about. But they latched on to a spark, a new idea, that for whatever reason the life of a fisherman was not what they were called for and to in their lives. 
They had a new idea, and so they dropped their nets. They dropped something. They turned, and they walked towards a greater life of fishing for people. There was repentance. In fact, we don't have any evidence. There's no scriptural evidence that says that the, bab- that the disciples actually lined up at the river and received a water baptism. Because the act of repentance is so incredibly important in this story that many people would say that when Jesus in Pentecost breathed his Holy Spirit on them, this is after the resurrection, that it was baptism, that Jesus had fully enacted his Holy Spirit in their lives, regardless of the water. But the disciples modeled this in a way that I think we can follow it. Now, a lot of you are saying, well, um, yeah, still, I can't just, like, drop my job and, like, you know. But I, I do want you to, to know that, um, that, the, that the, fisher, the, the fishermen dropping their nets, um, first of all, these men were called to perhaps be students of a rabbi, and they were rejected. Second of all, um, their jobs, jobs in general in that day, were a lot more fluid. And you kind of just did whatever you did for the time being, whatever you were taught to make money when you needed it. And people, people were in and out of their jobs all the time. It's not like us today where we build a career and have a pension and feel obligated for a lifetime. Um, well, that used to be the case. Um, okay, so, but you get the point here. Um, that, was, that was repentance. Just as, as I sat on a log at the end of four days and 65 miles looking at what in the world I had been thinking. Why in the world did I think that I had to place all of my value and all of the worth of this trip on somehow in reaching some incredible feat and perhaps one-upping others who had also walked the trail. And I sat there and I mourned because I had gotten so caught up in this again and again and again in my life that I have, I have lost sight of and lost the experience of some of the richest things in life. When people ask me how my trip was along the Appalachian Trail, I say it was absolutely terrible. But it was also the most beautiful thing because of that moment of repentance where I came to a new, a new understanding, a new idea, something that I was going to walk toward in Christ to say, Lord, I'm going to drop this whole trying to live by accomplishments. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I could have had six days on the Appalachian Trail and I could have soaked it in. And no one would have asked and said, oh, you only did 80 miles, you big loser. <sighs> they would have said, wow, that sounds really good. And I could have said it was. It was repentance. Not all repentance leads to baptism. But all baptisms start with repentance, with a new idea that's leading us towards Christ in a new way. It's a spark. It's not a completion. It's the beginning. And us being willing to say, Lord, I want to let these roots start growing and taking, taking ground. So we want to invite you to celebrate your baptism with this understanding that we presented today. We want to invite you 
to celebrate your reaffirming of your baptism. If you've already been baptized, um, God did not leave you or walk away. Your salvation has not been compromised or taken away. But there are times in our lives when we want to reaffirm it, to say, Lord, I have picked up some of those things that I let go of, and I want to just affirm that you said you would, you would take them away. In two weeks, we will be um, putting baptistry uh, tanks up on the stage, and we'll be inviting you. We invite you to tell your story as simple as it is with one or two sentences or a paragraph, or if you're really wordy like your pastor, maybe a page. Um, but to let it be simple, to let it be as simple as the disciples dropping their nets and walking in a new direction. Let us know, even if you're thinking about it, you're not locking yourself into a 30-year fixed contract. Even if you're thinking about it, let us have that conversation with you. Um, you can go so easily onto our website, horizons.church, and simply go to slash watch, and you will find all the information opportunities. Um, also, you can text our number. It's 402. I'm going to say it just in case you um, haven't, don't have an opportunity to see it. 402-512-5700. And just baptism or hello, and, and we'll start that conversation. Because this is what we want for each other. Let's pray. Gracious and holy God, we thank you for this opportunity to be reminded of, of what life looks like in you and how we get to take steps toward you. We just, we just entrust this message to our hearts. It's your word, Lord. It's your story. And so we want it to grow in us. Lord, whatever season of pain or challenge or struggle we've been in, let us know that it's okay to not be fully put together, fully have all the answers, but that can, we can be where we are and still walk toward you and trust that you're going to work it out the rest of the way. This is our prayer. It's my prayer, Lord, that it continues to be part of our renewal for each one of us, getting a clearer glimpse of you and getting a truer taste of you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Perhaps one of the greatest catalysts or sparks for a new idea or a new direction is remembering what Jesus did for us first while we were still sinners. Before we had any attitude about changing our lives, Jesus came into human form and gave his life. We will be celebrating communion today. If you are online, I invite you to run and get your elements right now. If you're with us in person, you can unwrap your cups, but don't take your communion until we all do that after the Lord's Prayer. We're going to do that together, uh, if you don't mind. But it is a reminder of this new idea. As Jesus gathered his disciples, as he prepared to, to really let his life be dashed to pieces and his body pierced open to give up his life. He called his disciples as he's calling us they shared from this bread a million times, but he lifted it up that night, gave thanks for it, and broke it. And before the disciples, he said, take and eat of this bread tonight and do so in remembrance of me because this is my body which will be broken apart for you and in you, my brokenness that you may be nurtured, made whole, the bread of life. Then he took the cup, lifted it up also, gave thanks for it, and said, drink from this cup. 
It is wine from which we have all drunk, but it is also my blood that will be poured out. It is a sign of a new covenant. That as you receive this, as you acknowledge this cup in your own life, you are letting my blood wash over you, renew you, cleanse you of your sins, and give you a new day. This is what Jesus has sacrificed his life for, gave everything that we might partake in. This is a celebration for us of nothing that we have done, but only what we are invited to receive and that be true in our lives. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, you are our God. You are our Lord. You are our friend. You are our example. You are calling to us. You have done this because you knew that it was the most powerful and loving thing that you could do and that we would come to celebrate it and that through it, it would start a new story, start a new idea, start a new desire in our lives. So Lord, let this bread truly be for us your body. That as we take it, our brokenness is put back together that we are nurtured and sustained by your bread of life. No food on earth can compare. And let us drink from this cup, your cup of salvation, a new covenant. And let us receive the washing over of your sacrifice to renew us, to set us free, to give us a new day that we might have another chance to love others, to love ourselves, and to let your light shine into a broken world through our lives. Lord, we pray all this in a prayer of thanks, a prayer of community, and a prayer of confession, praying that prayer that you taught us to save by praying our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Will you join me as we receive the body of Christ, broken for you, the blood of Christ poured out for you. Take and eat and do so in remembrance of him. Amen.